Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to Matthew Collar, Winter Park, Vikings in full Eagles mode right now. I got, I got a question. We haven't really dove into the, the meat and potatoes of this, Matthew Collar, and people should go read his stuff, 1590ESPN.com, Purple Podcast. The Eagles defense has been very stout at home in particular. What? How good do you think their defense is, and what do you think the Vikings are capable of doing against it on grass, on the road? I think their defense is extremely good, especially on the defensive line, and I I think that impacts everything. They're number one in the NFL in rushing, and they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback with just four guys rushing, and uh, oftentimes they uh, are so good in the middle with Fletcher Cox that the quick linebackers, Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendricks, those guys are great athletes, very fast, that they can uh, get through holes and, and shut down running backs and shut down the screen game. I think that's where it all starts for them. If you were going to find one weakness in the secondary, it's probably the cornerbacks who haven't really impressed me at times throughout the season. But I wonder if the reason that they're better at home is in part because the field is so ugly and bad that it's harder for wide receivers to create separation and do double moves and things like that on that type of field and get away from those corners because, uh, especially Ronald Darby's a very good athlete, and he can uh, you know close the gap, but he has trouble sometimes you know maybe being a little over aggressive or getting his head around like we've seen from Trey Wayans uh, in the past before this year. He's got a little bit of that issue, but then they also have one of the best safeties in the NFL in Malcolm Jenkins. So really, at all three levels, they impact the game. And then when you get at home, you get the noise, you get the field. I think a lot of things there play in their favor. How how is Thielen's back and Sandejo's head today, sir? Uh, well, with Thielen's uh, back, we're just going to have to wait and see here uh, what, what's going to happen because, you know, I didn't expect that to be an issue, really. At the end of the game, I mean, even I when Thielen talked, it was like, uh, okay, I mean, he seems fine, nothing seems wrong here, and then all of a sudden he's out of practice. And uh, with Sandeo, he was working out, too, at the beginning of practice. And, again, you kind of – I don't know where he stands in the concussion protocol. We've learned not to trust Mike Zimmer when it comes to this stuff. Um, so Zimmer said, seems like he'll be fine. But I don't know what that means because he hasn't cleared the concussion protocol yet. So it, it seems like there's definitely a chance that Sandejo could not play. And I'm, I'm just going to wait and see on uh, Adam Thielen. I, I can't say – right now that I would expect him to not play because uh, 
even though it's a lower back injury, maybe they're just giving it rest. I think tomorrow is going to be the big day. We'll see how much he practices. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Collar from Winter Park. He's been reporting all season long from there. You can find him on our show uh, a couple times a week. Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. All right. there's I We've had... 24 hours of trash talk between, and we're kind of caught up in this, uh, Eagles fans, the fanatic in Philadelphia keeps running our stuff on up from, from our show. And I think one of the narratives I've heard is, well, you know, from the Eagles side, well, Case Keenum is no different than Nick Foles. You guys think Case Keenum, what do you think is the difference, Matthew, between Nick Foles and Case Keenum? Uh, mobility is, is the difference between those two. That, uh, Case Keenum, though not impressive in the 40 yard dash, has shown us that he can run with the ball if things break down in the pocket and that he can escape the pocket and throw on the move. Now, there were times where Atlanta rushed and uh, Nick Foles did a good job of stepping up and finding a man, uh, maybe a check down option, and and playing it safe a, a few times in that game against the Falcons. He did a good job with that. But you are not going to see Nick Foles taking off, rolling outside the pocket, holding the ball in the po- outside the pocket for 10 seconds like Case Keenum did at one point. Uh, but I also don't think you're going to see Nick Foles take too many risks down the field either. And, well, those sometimes work out for Case Keenum and can be uh, you know big plays when that happens. We've also seen too many times where they'll be outside the pocket and take that risk downfield that either almost gets them in trouble or does get them in trouble uh, like it did against New Orleans. So I think uh, Keenum is, is the better of the two quarterbacks, I would say. But, it, you know, I mean, when Nick Foles was at his best under Chip Kelly, it was very similar to the type of situation that Case Keenum has here. And if you look at the numbers, I think some of us still think of Keenum as throwing it down the field successfully a lot. But he really didn't this year. And most of his success came from short throws and having guys run after the catch. And that's what Nick Foles is going to try to do, too. How imperative, in your mind, uh, is the success of the of the run game, Collar, based on this? My contention is, is you can't you can't have Case make make the dumb throw, and certainly the one that he made against the Saints. But that being said, if you are going to go that route and count on him not to make dumb mistakes, the Vikings' run game becomes very very important. So, so what's your guess about the type of step that that run game can take uh, from what they did against the Saints, which was okay, not great, to Sunday's game against Philadelphia? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really hard. I think what you hope for is that Mike Remmers is even more comfortable at left guard. I didn't think he had a really bad game, but that now playing it for the second time, he's in better shape there. Um, and you hope that you could do just something with those defensive linemen up front. I mean, they are just they're stacked with with beasts, and they're deep, and they run a rotation, so they don't get tired either. It's hard to wear them out. Um, but I think the running game is everything for the Vikings. Because if you can run the ball, we've seen them when they've had success on the ground, and they run on first down. The Vikings do more than any other team in the NFL. And when they've had success doing that, you set up second and five or you set up third and two, and the Vikings were also one of the best teams in the NFL on third and short. We saw a lot of play actions on on third and short come up with some big plays at times or or at least enough to get first down to keep drives moving. When Case Keenum is put in third, long, third and long situations this year, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He hit on a few of them against New Orleans, but this is a better defense than against New Orleans. So I think everything starts there for Case Keenum. Yeah, this is. I, I really think to take the shots you took defensively from Drew Brees in the second half 
and still get away with a win because your offense comes back down the field twice, once with a field goal, then once with the miracle play at the end. Yeah, I, I think it was almost a good thing for the defense to get lit up like that in the second half because now you can bounce back against far from a Hall of Fame quarterback in Nick Foles. Not that this is going to be an easy performance because they can block, they can run the ball, but I almost think we may have seen the worst of it defensively and the Vikings might button this thing up. It's going to be really hard for the Eagles to score two touchdowns in this game. What do you think? Oh, I, I look at both teams and I say, how are you guys going to score a lot yeah. of points? I mean, with the Vikings, I can come up with a scenario where Thielen digs, uh, get plays down the field, and that's how they do it. Uh, with the Eagles, it's really tough to see how they're going to score because if you think about maybe something, it's really they have a great offensive line, one of the best in the league. So, I mean, they, they should be able to run the ball a little bit. But if you think of some of the other games where you've seen backup-level quarterbacks play against the Vikings or even guys who just aren't great like Andy Dalton or when you saw Brett Hundley and the Vikings completely shut down those running games and then they tried to throw short passes, Mitch Trubisky too, and guys that have to rely on a lot of short passes do not do well against the Vikings. And I forget who was pointing this out on Twitter, one of the film analysts, maybe it was Brian Baldinger, I, I forget who it was, pointing out that on third downs, the Vikings will not drop their safeties deep, that they will keep their safeties pretty close to where the sticks are, and they'll dare you to try and beat them on a third down and long. So that means when you're trying to throw those slant passes and the, those little RPOs and things like that where you're getting the ball out quick, you have Anderson Deho and Harrison Smith right up there in big situations. I think that's one of the reasons that the Vikings were the best third-down team basically in NFL history. Yeah. All right, so where are you leaning on this one, Vikings or Eagles? Who do you think wins at the end? I am leaning toward the Vikings, but I think it's going to be hideous football. I mean, I, <laughs> I think that if you grew up in, like, the 1960s watching football, you're going to be like, yeah, this is it. This is like NFL films, music, grinding. I'm hoping it rains a little because, uh, you know, I, I just think this is going to be a grind fest, and you could be looking at something like 14 to 9 is the final score. That's what I, Take I, the I, undercut. I, I said 13 to 9 feels like the final score of this game. But then again, Jaguar Steelers was 45 42, and no one thought that would happen, but I think right. it's going to be ugly yeah. too. Yeah. You know, I feel, I feel almost silly saying it because it's just so obvious that turnovers are bad but in this game it's just it's so true though I mean if you give the other team one extra possession I think that's going to be a a huge factor in this game the team that can grind down the other team's defense and hold on to the ball that's how the Eagles beat the Falcons is they got into that second half and all of a sudden the Falcons started to get worn down and they had two long drives and that's how they ended up winning it and there was a you know a couple turnovers couple bad plays there and, and that's going to be the difference. But it leaves you for very little margin of error when it's going to be a low-scoring game like yeah. that. Thank Good you, stuff, Matthew Collar. Great Bye, stuff. Matthew. Thanks, guys. Talk to you. Go find his stuff on 1500ESPN.com. Uh, our, our entire featured section of written stuff is all Vikings right now, obviously. And you can go check out, as far as on-demand audio, if you're... If you're uh, jumping in and you're maybe new to our show or new to 1500 ESPN, not only do we have the Mackie and Judd show, but we've got Vikings Ventline on demand. We've got the Purple Podcast on demand. Judd's a regular on that with Matthew Collar. Uh, Purple FTW with, with Andy Carlson, more of a fan perspective podcast. So, And Doogie is pumping out Scoop Podcasts. Uh, Doogie's had a couple huge name guests. He'll join us on the show tomorrow mm-hmm. at 1015. So.
Here's what you may have missed on a recent Scoop podcast with Doogie. The Lynx and Wolves owner, he's a good friend of the podcast, he is Glenn Taylor. Let's start with the Lynx, then we'll get to the Wolves. The news from, I guess, late last year, late last month, Cheryl Reeve, general manager, contract extension. I'm guessing, Glenn, pretty much a no-brainer to wrap her up long-term? Well, we've just done with uh, Cheryl, uh, you know, like two-year contracts and and just kind of keep moving ahead, and we did the same thing here. Uh, it's something that we've sort of agreed upon that we would just keep moving ahead each year. I mean, is there a thought to even give her a lifetime contract? No, she doesn't want it, and and, and no, we haven't thought about that. But, uh, uh, it, you know, it could be if you keep rolling it out. But I think uh, she's got to look at her scenario, and, and we too, and, and we've been really pleased with her, and this has worked out in the past. You can find the Scoop podcast on the 1500ESPN.com podcast page or on iTunes, or really wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.